the Fire Within podcast. You need a sustainable plan, the right mindset, and the knowledge and inspiration to stoke the fire within. Just like the Phoenix, you can burn your old habits, never turn back, and emerge completely anew. There are no shortcuts. Welcome, Fire Within community. This is the Fire Within podcast, where we talk about all things health, fitness, and nutrition related. I'm your host, Brandon, with my co-host, Joe. Catchphrase. He still has to keep up with the catchphrase. (laughs) (laughs) So we have an awesome guest today. She's actually done a TED Talk, which is really exciting. Her name is Renee Jones, and she spent 40 years on the diet yo-yo before she got free of emotional eating, which helped her not only lose the pounds, but maintain her goal weight since 2012. She redirected her practice to coach others to do the same. She has a master's degree in marriage and family counseling and a clinical residency in pastoral care. Her TEDx talk on emotional eating has over 500,000 views and continues to grow. And her book was an Amazon bestseller and her clients span six continents. And Antarctica is just a little hard to break into. Uh, So thanks for joining us, Renee. It's not a lot of chubby penguins. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me. (laughs) Yeah, what an incredible uh, backstory there. Uh, You've done all kinds of stuff. TEDx, bestseller book. Wow. Thanks for coming on the show. Tell us a little bit in your own words what you do. I help people figure out what they most want and then go get it. And if that's weight loss... That's fantastic. We can overcome the emotional eating or any other baggage that's standing in their way. Awesome. Now, what is emotional eating and how do we create it? Emotional eating, I think, is eating for any reason other than hunger. They may eat for joy, like in feast days, or they may eat because they're bored or sad or mad or otherwise upset or just need a little comfort. And Actually, it's created at birth, Brandon, because when a baby cries, we put something in their mouths and they quiet down. There's an an oral soothing that works really well. And as children grow, then they might go to a pacifier or their thumb. And then, of course, we get to pizza and donuts as we get older. They're a lot tastier. (laughs) They are. Yeah. But they're not always as accessible. You always have your thumbs with you, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, how do we manage emotional eating? I think it's helpful to figure out what's driving the need for it. Because what we're often doing is looking for soothing. So food isn't the only way to soothe ourselves. But, the, you know, food's accessible and it's available and it's legal. So it makes it easy just like your thumbs were easy as a a child. So if you find, okay, what's driving me to food for comfort and then go get that, then you're away. In fact, I have an acronym that's really helpful. I say it's not hard to overcome emotional eating. You just have to get the hang of it. And the H stands for, am I hungry? And if you are, you probably do need to go get something to eat. But if you're not, Then the A is attraction. What is it that is attracting you to food at this moment? And the N is need. What is it that you actually need right now to fill that space? And G is go get that because that will soothe you more than food ever possibly could. Yeah, that's interesting. It's almost like cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, trying to reverse engineer and figure out what's driving the behavior. So what are some of the strategies with your clients to replace those habits? Do you just replace it with something else other than food? 
Initially, yes. Yeah, because we've got to break that tie to food. If we can figure out, okay, what is that particular food about for you? I know for me, and this is the story I tell in my TEDx talk, is when my mother passed away, I all but crawled into my peanut butter jar. Peanut butter is a perfectly wonderful food, but quantity needs to be addressed sometimes. When my grandmother died and we were tight, I thought, I cannot do this again. And what I realized was that the peanut butter was actually a tangible connection to the love and encouragement that my grandmother gave me. So if we can unwind what is making that particular food so important to you, then you can learn to find a different soother. I just had to go get that love and encouragement somewhere because she was no longer with me. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely tie-ins with food like that. For me, it's, my dad passed away this year, December last oh, year. And so it's been just over a year. And every single morning for as long as I knew him, he had a cup of instant coffee. Now I have a very nice coffee machine with a grinder and organic beans I do myself. But I still mm -hmm. have a, a container of instant coffee. And when I run out, and my emergency stash is that instant coffee. And the second it, I smell it, the second I, I sip it, I think about my dad. And But I can't not have coffee. And some of the mornings, I don't feel like I need the energy. It's just part of it, I think, is that tie-in. I and mean, another behavior that I think is interesting, he loved to feed his dogs. We had Pomeranians growing up. And it's very important for me to feed my dog while I eat, which drives my wife's family nuts. They think it's disgusting. But it's important to me when I have a meal, I want to share that meal with my dog. And I think I probably mm. picked it up from him. But I, de I definitely think there is tie-ins with that in certain foods. Now, what if it isn't a certain food? There's other types of emotional eating that it's not just because it reminds you of a specific person. Can you talk to us about mm -hmm. that a little bit? Sure. It could be just the food you went to as a child for comfort. A lot of men want ice cream at 9, 10 o'clock at night. It's uncanny how many men I've talked to and they're like, yeah, but I just need that ice cream at the end of the day. And when we get into it, it's, oh, when my parents told me that they were getting a divorce or when somebody had bad news, they took us out for ice cream. If you won, you tended to go get pizza. But the soother was the ice cream. And one man once told me, he said, I just want to be a little bad. And I've been good all day. I just want to be a little bad. <laughs> so it's not just a person. Sometimes it's just the experience that you've had multiple times. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, uh, growing up, every single achievement, academically, sports, whatever, there's always food attached to it. Like it was just what mm -hmm. you did. You got good grades, uh, you're going to get an Oreo milkshake from Applebee's. Well, that was like a big thing for me. It's the weekend, it's a holiday, you get donuts. And so I know for, for us, there's definitely that tie-in. I mean, if something mm -hmm. bad happened, it was the same. We had to take our dog to the farm because it was eating the side of the house and just a terror. And I remember we went and got ice cream. So it's just a, yeah. a, an emotional soother for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. So it's always an experience or... A, a, a specific moment in life that joins you to that. I, I spent about four years living in Wales and I am bonded to hot tea. I, like you like coffee, I love tea. And it, it's just that connection to that time in my life that I just don't want to let go of. And it's, it's not a problem in terms of calories or anything, but if I use a lot of sugar in it, it could be. 
Yeah. So there, there are reasons that we are connected to particular things. If you think about Thanksgiving, Christmas meals, people get really bent out of shape if your dressing isn't the same as they had growing up. It's a side. Don't worry too much about it. But we do. It's yeah. got to taste right to make the holiday. There's always the cranberry sauce debate. Do you do canned gelatinous mass or do you do homemade? I like the canned gelatinous mass. Sorry, sorry, Michelle. But because that's what I grew up with. That's right. Yeah. That's right. It's what you grew up with that really <laughs> connects with you. Yeah. Absolutely. So for the people that um, associate it with either a sense of winning or loss or victory or something, like what does the process look like for kind of breaking that habit of scratching that itch with food and replacing it with something else? Is it different for every person or is it? Yeah, it is pretty, you've got an idea. What we do is we just look for something that we'll do for the moment and try other things that you really enjoy. Now, it's not going to be as easy because food is just so available. But if you can allow something to soothe you, it will. But it's all in our heads anyway. So whether it's that or it may be going to a particular park that you went to with your family. It could be talking with a friend. So those are the classic ones. Call a friend, get a manicure, whatever. But there are other things. Going for a walk with the dog. For me, gardening is great. Digging in the dirt is wonderful because you get something done and it allows your left brain to create while your right brain is busy. Anything that will take the pressure off that moment. Yeah, like puzzles for a lot of people. Puzzles, yeah. Yeah, yeah puzzles are great because they have rules. <laughs> this is why men like sports so much, because it has rules. You follow the rules, the game goes as it, as it might, but everybody has to follow the rules. And puzzles, all the pieces fit in the end. Yeah. Yeah, unless you're now my wife and I fight because she likes to do all the edge pieces first and I just like to work on yes. the section. And so we can't do puzzles together anymore. It causes conflict. But generally speaking, well, she could work <laughs> on the edges and you could work with the shoulder. with the center. Yeah. No, uh, I think I think woodworking for me is one of my favorite things to do. Um, mm. I'm incredibly slow I, at it. I, I love the smell of sawdust in the morning. Yes. Yeah, about the most fun a man can have is a chop saw and, and a beer. That's a good time. <laughs> Watch your fingers. <laughs> awesome. Now, why do you think most diets fail? What's the number one reason? We stop doing them. Yeah. I mean, my 40 years on the diet, we would do well for a while and then we'd go off the path. We'd stop doing it. Or you don't learn anything from the process. When I, I lost my weight on a low fat, low calorie diet, but I was tired hungry and cranky all the time, which was not a good thing. My poor dear husband's sweetheart. But once I, I did a metabolic test, which I now give to all of my clients, then I learned what actually keeps me satisfied. So that helped me figure out, okay, what do I actually need? And now I look at any nutrition plan as a budget. I need to get these many things in, whether it's protein or, or whatever, and I need to stay within my calorie budget, just yeah. like I do my financial budget. So what does that metabolic assessment look like? It's a bunch of questions that are very strange and I don't understand how it works, but it works well for me. It changed life dramatically for me. I was already at my goal weight, but I was struggling. And I took the test. I thought, okay, I haven't eaten some of this stuff in years, I, but okay, I'll try it. And I lost two pounds that week. 
So give us, the, can you give us some examples of, as to what some of those questions might be like? Not about sure. I mean, they ask you, if you have this or this, are you hungry or, or unsatisfied at the end of a meal? Do you feel more energetic or less energetic? It asks like what the size of your pupil in connection with your iris. You know, just a lot of odd questions that see how that helps but it does <laughs> so this isn't a test you compiled this is uh, an existing test it's an existing thing that i i have access to the the database so i just we just go through the questions i type in the numbers and it spits out the answer <laughs> that's pretty cool I, that, that'd be fun to take we should do that on the show sometime i think it'll be fun joe Sure, I'll measure you, people. <laughs> That's really cool. All right. Now, if uh, some of our listeners, if, if they don't live alone, there may be food in their house that tempts them. How do you navigate a snack-filled home, especially if all parties of the household aren't on board with any particular style of eating? Yes. Oh, that one's hard. That one is hard, but it's possible. So one of the things that I tell people to do is take all the food that is not for you and put it in opaque containers above your eyes. So when you open the pantry or the refrigerator, what is the food that's okay for you? And you put it, it's either just out or it's in a clear container. So that's the first thing. I just went to the store a little while ago and I bought some red and yellow and orange peppers. It's like, oh, that's so pretty. And because we eat with our eyes first, right? Yeah. So you just make sure that the food that is especially for you is at your eye level where you can see it. Because things that are out of sight are... Out of mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes people will, will take a particular cupboard and that's their cupboard as opposed to the cupboard that belongs to another family member. And you stay in your cupboard. Do not go in somebody else's cupboard. That would be called stealing, right? Yeah. So you just my kids would love that. Ways. <laughs> <laughs> always fights about like, you ate my thing. And I'm like, it's the pantry. It's not your thing, but I paid for it. What do you mean your thing? <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, it's really helpful to have, and particularly if you can buy foods that are pretty for you as well, that are enticing, because it's hard to make a rice cake enticing just by looking at it. So another thing, one of the things that I did when I was trying to break my dependence upon sugar was I made a rule for myself. And the rule was I only have sugar on Sundays. So I had something on that Sunday and in between, it was really hard. In fact, one day I was staring down the chocolate chips in the pantry and thinking, I only have sugar on Sundays. <laughs> but I got through it. And after that first Sunday, it was okay. Yeah. Because I had whatever it was I was gonna have, a, a candy bar or something, one small, and I was fine. Yeah. In fact, I learned just how much sugar affected me. And here's the thing, Brandon, you got to have what works for your body because we're not all the same. We all have different fingerprints. Our bodies, our nutritional systems are different. So I had this candy bar and a cup of tea, and then I went to one of the hospitals that I work at. And I hit the door and I was flying. And they were like, Renee, are you okay? I was like, I just had sugar. I think it might have affected me. So... <laughs> Find what works for you and then make a rule up around it so that you do that so that you're not always fighting yourself. Yeah. And there's actually a lot of science behind that whole out of sight, out of mind. We know that in the grocery store eye level, people pay, manufacturers pay extra money to have their product at eye level because it's more accessible. Yeah. You're, you're going to go right to it. 
And I know for me in the yeah. fridge, the things in the drawers, like the vegetables, I forget they're there and they rot a lot. And I like them. So a good tip I used to give people around goal setting would be, you know, pre if you want to prep them, pre-chop them and move them up where you can see them, you're more likely to grab them. So I do think that's important. And I can't tell you the yeah. amount of food that goes to waste because I just don't see it. If my wife moves something to the side door, I forget it's there. And I go, oh man, I love that. But now it's expired. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. It happens. And use the tools that work for you. Yeah. If your line of sight is really helpful. Did you know that Fire Within works with companies and organizations that might benefit from a health course? Brandon's health course, Health Transformation, can be applied to your company and custom tailored to meet your company's needs. You could supply it as something from your HR department or just a gift by giving access to everyone in your company to the course. If that's you and you're interested, go to firewithinnf.com on the homepage. Look for corporate partnerships. Hey, Fire Within Nation, has this ever happened to you? You go online to find a quick recipe for mashed potatoes, but first you have to hear about Grandfather's Farm in 1929. When I was a boy. <laughs> the first time you had a potato, and like six and a half chapters later, you get to the ingredient list. Tasted like dirt. Drives me nuts. So me and Joe have worked to solve that issue for you. If you head to firewithinnf.com and check out the recipe section, healthy recipes, following the Fire Within way. And it's just the recipe, no blog, you're welcome. You'll find recipes like steak chimichurri. There's a bananas foster smoothie recipe. There's a sourdough French toast. Lots of healthy things. Make your own ranch dip and, and tons more. So head to firewithinnf.com. Check out the recipe section and enjoy. Now this will come out just a few weeks after New Year's. How do you make a, a resolution, whether it's during New Year's? And do they work for you or not work for you? I know for most people, they fail. I do make resolutions. I just, when, if I mess up on it or don't get it immediately, I keep trying. I, I don't think it's try it until you, you fall off the wagon and then don't get back on. Because if you want to change something about your life that you've been doing for years, it's going to take some time. In fact, my resolution on New Year's Day of 2012 was to lose my weight and be done with it. And I didn't actually go in the right direction because I had to keep starting again. And I didn't get going in the right direction until May. But I reached my goal because I got serious then and hired a coach to help me because I do really well with external accountability. And I reached my goal weight the week before my 50th birthday. Awesome. So that coach uh, part is really helpful. It does help because yeah. you've got some accountability there. But the key to a resolution is to resolve the issue driving the behavior. Yeah. If you don't resolve the issue that's driving it, you've got no hope. So let's say uh, somebody's emotional eating and that's the issue. How do they dig and find out what is the issue driving emotional eating? How do they boil that down and figure out what it is? It does help to have someone who's skilled at helping them find that. They always know. They just don't believe that they know because they've been trying for so long. They just, I don't know. I said, yeah, you do. Somewhere within you, you do know. And they always do. If we just keep peeling back the layers as such. Let's do an example. So I'm emotional eating and I don't know why. What would be the first thing we'd look at? What kind of questions uh, would go into peeling back those layers and figuring it out? When do you do? Is it always at a specific time? 
or is it just occasionally? Okay, let's say it's at night. So we figure at, out it's just at night. Okay. So what's is the it, next step? So then we, we look at what was go, what's going on at night in your life. Is it because you've worn out your willpower for the day? Because that is a vanishing resource, right? You get decision fatigue and you can't depend on willpower. So is that what's going on? Is it a stress issue? Are there ways that you can, from the time you get home from work, find other ways to soothe yourself so that you don't need that? So let's say it's that first one, the willpower. So we figured out it's a willpower is drained by the end of the day. So now what's the next step? You need to put into place parameters and support systems for that evening. So let's say you always have popcorn. Yep. Maybe stop buying the popcorn for a start. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good start. When I was breaking my addiction to peanut butter, I just couldn't buy it for a couple of the years. The dog had his nose severely out of joint, but I couldn't <laughs> do it. I couldn't have it in the house because I couldn't control myself. Yeah. So there's some foods you may have to stop buying for a while. But the good thing is, if you really want it, they have places that keep it fresh for you. And it's even called a store. <laughs> exactly. So that's actually so kind of an interesting... It's about support systems. Yeah, it's an interesting accountability piece. So a lot of the foods that I would consider a cheap food, I won't buy. Because then the rest of the container is, is... I won't take it home as a grocery item. I would have it once eating out or something like that. So like just going out for ice cream once versus buying a gallon of it and having it tempting you all week long. Yeah. So I think that's a good point. So going back to getting to the root of the of potential emotional eating, yeah. uh, we found out it could be a willpower issue. If it's a willpower, when is it's at night? So at night, what they can do is remove that item from the house and have a support system in place and reverse engineer things that way. So that's, if, if somebody were to work with you, this is something you can help coach them through and figure out. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And again, who first gave you that food? Yeah. Do you remember the first time you had it? Because that'll often enlighten you yeah. on why it's important to you. Absolutely. Now, how do you manage holidays and family gatherings, events, cookouts, things like that, when you're in a little bit less control as to what's there? How, how do you make sure you're eating the right things and not thwarting your goals? I think it's important to remember that we don't always have control over those things. We don't have control over what is present for us. So make the best choices you can. I like to do a reconnaissance round to see all the things that are available to me. Because then I can make choices and I put the things that I most want or think are best for me on my plate first. And if they have a salad plate as opposed to a dinner plate, I'll start with that because it, it's a visual thing. The plate is full and probably my stomach will be as well by the time I finish that. I won't be stuffing it in or having to leave it somewhere. So just look and see what's there. Make the best choices you can from the, the options given, and maybe don't eat as much and have a snack later. Yeah, no, those are all good tips. I think they even make plates, visual, visual differently shaped plates to help with that. I know there's even a little bit of science about colors and things like that too, but no, I think that's good. I started collecting my china before I met my husband and the dinner plates that I got then were nine and a half inches. 
by the time we got, we were getting married and we were getting more china, they were 10 and a half inches. So in just uh, about five years time, our dinner plates got so much bigger. Yeah. And so did we. <laughs> I know they say that a lot about American restaurants too, and just the portion sizes and the size of the plate. It's just uh, gotten out of control. Yeah. Yeah. Now, after 40 years on a diet, what made the difference for you in 2012 and through now? So how, what was the major shift that's allowed you to keep it off? The well, I think dealing with my emotional eating and dealing with the emotional baggage that I was dragging with me was really important because I had less to drive the behavior. And then it was realizing, okay, what I really want is not in that particular food, whatever it may be. Even if it reminds me of my mother or my grandmother, they're not in it. I'm not honoring them. I'm not any closer to them by eating more of that food. I'm just making myself larger. So separating some of the things that drove me to food from the food itself was really helpful. Then realizing, okay, I have to learn from how I lost my weight and how I can maintain my weight. There are pieces of my quote-unquote diet that I continue to do because it works for me. And especially after the metabolic test, it was like, oh yeah, we're doing this forever because I was not hungry, I wasn't cranky, and I wasn't tired all the time. And all of that good feeling, the emotional benefit plus the physical benefit of finding the food that works for my body just made it so much easier because I wasn't tied up with food as my comforter anymore. I had other ways to do that. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Now, you've talked about the epidemic of low self-worth in some of your talks and material. How does that relate to emotional eating? Yeah, the, uh, it, it, uh, around the world, I, I've been amazed at the epidemic of low self-worth. And if you don't feel good about yourself, you're going to use anything at hand to make yourself feel better. So that's where the emotional part comes into the eating is if I eat a little bit of this, I'll feel better. If I eat a lot of it, I'll feel a whole lot better until you wake up from the, the food stupor you fall into yeah. thereafter. So if we recognize our value just in and of ourselves, then we don't get on that roller coaster of low self-esteem and lower self-esteem because it very seldom goes higher and then lower. It just gets lower and lower. I almost feel like it's trendy right now, especially on social media, to have like self-deprecating humor and just this sense of low worth. And I think it's an important thing to address. So we've talked on the show in the past about self-talk and things of that nature. What are some tools uh, you would give a client to increase that sense of self-worth? One of the things that I suggest is that they set alarms on their phone. Now, I wasn't born with a cell phone in my hand, so it it was something that I had to learn how to use. And when you set an alarm, there's a thing that called the label. Instead of just alarm coming across your phone and trying to remember what was it I was supposed to remember, you can put a label on it. And what I started doing was putting in stuff that I needed to hear. So this alarm goes, I've got four or five alarms that go off throughout the day. And if I need another one, I'll add another one. Because the more you see it, when I first started seeing them, I was like, oh yeah, that's true. Oh. But over time, it only took a, maybe two months. And I would look at the alarm and think, oh, that's becoming true. This is good. And what's really helpful is even if your phone is on mute, 
or do not disturb, the alarm still goes off. If you've got your earbuds in, it still goes off audibly to everyone around you. Ask me how I know. <laughs> so you have to look at it because the alarm and the timer, the repeat and the stop or the snooze and the stop are in opposite places. So you actually have to look at the thing in order to hit the right button, which means you look at the label as well. That's a really helpful tool. So would they have like affirmations about yourself? Is that what the label would say? It can be something you need to learn. One of my favorite questions I use is my alarm at around noontime. And is that, and that is, who do you want to be? Because it reminds me to think about who I want to be, not who I might stumble my way into. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. It works well. Yeah. Now, You've been able to keep weight off for a while now. What do you think the real secret of maintaining the loss is? I think it's living within your means, right? Living whatever nutrition plan you choose. And I don't really care. I have my own opinions about what works, but everybody has to find what works for them. So if you live within the parameters of that, then you're not going to gain weight. If you go off the plan or have too much of any, even a good food you can have too much of, we have to recognize that it's not deprivation to live within our budget. It's okay. Nope. You're, you're not going to be too hungry. Now, is that in budget in terms of financial budget or calorie budget or? I think of it as a calorie budget. Different nutrition plans give you more calories because of the metabolic processes. I can have a couple hundred more calories on one as opposed to on another. Find what will keep your body there and then get creative about the different foods that you use to satisfy that plan. Yeah. So the secret is of keeping weight off is living within your means of that budget, not green coffee bean extract. This whole time I thought it was green coffee bean extract. Yeah. I, <laughs> Just kidding. If it works for you, that's great. I'm, I'm totally kidding. Consistency. Probably if it has an auto recharge, it may not work. That's kind of my. Because every six months, something else is the magic super, whatever. Uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, the, the magic is in finding what works for your body and doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Remember the cabbage soup diet? You remember when that was a thing? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, I did that. It's one of the many. <laughs> and the military diet, which is not actually military at all, but that's what it was called. There are uh, lots of them. There are actually have a family member that believes in this melon diet and what they're having these migraines completely take over their day. And I think part of it is just that increase of fructose, just doing all kinds of terrible stuff. So. There's some stuff out there. <laughs> anyway, um, Crazy. Now, <laughs> now, when you have an overwhelming craving, how do you handle that and be faithful to your goals? Okay. So if you just cannot say no, I, I like to tell people, try to wait 10 minutes and see if you still want it. But if after that 10 minutes you still want it, then sit down at your table, put out a placemat or tablecloth, maybe even some candles knife, fork, spoon, whatever the appropriate uh, utensil would be, put it on a plate and sit down and eat it. Do not eat it standing over the sink or the trash can. Don't be afraid to get caught. If you want it, have it, but yeah. own it. Give your, that food, the same honor you're giving your craving. 
you'll enjoy it more and you won't feel as guilty because you've made a choice. You're an adult. You can make a choice. You make a choice and then maybe later adjust something else. It's okay. But the more you say, no, I can't have it. No, I can't have it. No, I can't have it. The less likely it is that you will avoid it next time. So just kind of more mindful eating if you were going to have that thing. Now that makes sense. Yeah, chew it. Find, try chewing it. And while you're <laughs> chewing, see if you still like it. This is, this is an interesting thing because I used to love a particular candy bar. Loved it. Loved it. And at Easter, I bought a, a fun-sized bag for me and a fun-sized bag for my husband. And we sat down on Easter Sunday afternoon and I cut mine into six bites. And I took the first bite. That's okay. Okay. Maybe I just had something left on my palate. So I had another bite. And I thought, I don't like this anymore. Yeah. And I gave my bag to my husband and I never had it again. And the problem is often we're tasting a memory rather than the actual food. That's very interesting. That's a good point. I, I like your suggestion of sitting down and making a meal out of it because almost every bad decision is eaten over the sink or over the <laughs> trash can or you're not like because yeah. it's I don't know if it's a shame component or something but I'm thinking like yes. personally like my life like if I'm going to go off the rails I'm not going to prepare it and make it pretty and be like check this out it's usually just yeah like my, as my quickly as you can but then you don't even enjoy it, which to your point is like, now next time you want it, it's easy just to go slam the thing again, as opposed to just mindfully enjoying it. Because I think there's something too, if your body's craving something, to listen to your body. And it might not be the best vehicle for it to eat it in the shape of a ho-ho, but maybe you're <laughs> short on grains or something. And uh, <laughs> That's funny. Now, my, my go-to comfort uh, food for intense stress. And this will happen maybe three or four times a year. Uh, but I'll go to Kilwins. I'll get a pistachio milkshake, but it gets worse. I'll have them add malt powder. So it goes against all the fire with them. Wheat, <laughs> green, corn, probably soy, definitely dairy. Wow. And yeah. it's just like the most magical moment. But I do try and enjoy it and not Good. slam it. And as a result, it might happen three or maybe four times a year. Instead of and twice a week. My mom's favorite was pistachio milkshake. And okay. that was a treat. We used to, she'd take me to Baskin and Robbins all the time. Um, and that's what I'd get. And so it's just this connection. It's fun. It's rewarding. And pistachio is my favorite flavor of ice cream. I love it. I like that amaretto flavor in just about anything. So it's just extremely comforting and helps with stress, at least in the moment. And so on rare occasion, I think a couple times a year is healthy. But I think if it was... Every time I was stressed out, that would be very mm. problematic. Mm. Mm. Do you remember when you first had it? No, probably actually, you know what? Probably at a Chinese restaurant. It was, I think it was served. So it's probably four or five. Is it at the, there's a Chinese restaurant in Florida. I don't know if it was the bird's nest back then, but I just remember the first time trying pistachio ice cream. And my grandpa, he would always make dad jokes and he would always ask the waiter if he'd take the pistachios out of it. But <laughs> no, I'll never forget the first time I had that flavor. And yeah. uh, I just really enjoy it. Yeah. 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 And Sounds so like a good food to use because all good memories around it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Except my dad hated Chinese restaurants, but that's another story. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good stuff though. Yeah. Now, how do you find what drives a person to food for comfort or stress relief? How do you figure out what's, and I guess we talked about it a little bit at the beginning, but, but can you touch on that one more time? 
Sure. It's usually, they know. I just ask them, what is it about that food that so draws you? And they usually know one way or another. It may take a few minutes. They don't say, oh, it was this, unless they do, which happens. But it may take, we used to have it when, oh, my mom liked it. And then, oh, I remember this Chinese restaurant where I first had it. They can get there. They just have to give themselves a moment to work their way back toward it. Yeah. And sometimes it's having somebody ask the right questions and and guide them in the right direction, Yeah, uh, which is a big part of what you do. Yeah. Now, uh, I have one last question. I ask every single guest this. If somebody's looking to improve their life or get better at uh, figuring out this emotional eating thing, what are the top three things you'd have them do to start a positive? My program has three pillars. Find what works for your body, deal with your emotional baggage, and find a way to be your best self. Because when you're in your best self, you always make better choices. It's like that Snickers commercial. (laughs) They're hangry and it's like Roseanne Barr. (laughs) Once they eat something, they feel better. But don't do it by eating Snickers, though. (laughs) No, not a good idea. (laughs) That's just a sugar rush. (laughs) (laughs) My absolute favorite one of those commercials, I think it was a Super Bowl, and it's Roseanne Barr. And she goes, my back hurts. And then she gets hit by a log and she goes, now my front hurts. But no, thank you for sharing all your wisdom. I saw that you actually have a a gift for our listeners, which is awesome. I don't know that we've ever had a guest leave a gift. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about that gift, how to access it, and how people can contact you? Sure. That would be at packyourownbag.com slash friends. And it's a video and it is helping you to set a goal in a way that you will meet it. It's an exercise called the compass. And it's really helpful later on if you just check your compass when you're trying to make decisions about whether you're going to go for this goal or not. And if they want to contact me, that would be at packyourownbag.com. Awesome. I love the name. And it's not a travel agency. <laughs> no, it's not. Your yeah. backing company didn't think about those things. No, no. no I think it's, it's great because with the most emotional baggage is huge. And that's what drives most people's decisions, I would say. And mm-hmm. as we grow up, so much of our emotional baggage gets packed for us. And at some point, we've got to unpack those things that we no longer need or don't help us so that we've got space to pack our own bag for the life that we want to leave, not the one we fell into. Yeah. Thanks again for joining us. I would encourage our listeners to check out her TED Talk, check out that free gift she left for us. And thanks for sharing so many good nuggets of information and wisdom, especially going into the new year. And for our listeners, if you found anything helpful, please go on Apple iTunes, leave us a five-star review. It's how other people find our show. And hopefully we continue to spread the good word. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. If you did, Go check us out at firewithinnf.com and sign up for Refuel, a weekly email with recipes, videos, and tips to stoke the fire within. Also, you can join the Fire Within community by being added to our Facebook group. And don't forget to follow us on social media.